Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Welcome back to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. As we continue to look at the creation ordinances, we want to look further at the ordinance of dominion today. And I want to, first of all, provide some application from the last episode. And then I want to also begin talking about the spheres of authority that God has established that we must operate within. Okay, so there are spheres of authority that God established, and we as people must all operate within the appropriate sphere. So let's begin by just reminding, reminding ourselves of the ordinance of dominion. And this ordinance of dominion basically states that mankind has an authority to rule over creation, and that authority is given to him by God. If you want some further discussion on the theology of that, go back and check episode 92. What I'm going to begin with here in episode 93 are some practical applications of this particular ordinance, and that is this. Number one, man who has been given authority by God is to rule with benevolence and wisdom. So God, man is not to rule for selfish motivations, but he is to rule with benevolence and wisdom, considering all aspects of creation, considering all parts of creation as important and integral in the decision-making process when he decides to exert his authority by subduing some particular aspect or portion of creation. So man is also to rule with creativity. Man is to mimic God's pattern of creative expression as he rules and subdues the various parts and elements of creation. This again goes back to man being made in the image of God. He is to rule with creativity just as God with creativity created all that we see. Finally, man is to enjoy creation and offer thanksgiving to God and recognize that he has been given a great responsibility to rule the creation. So ruling is not this labor. It is a labor. It's not a laborious labor. It's not a dreadful labor. Let's put it that way. It's not a dreadful labor. It is something to enjoy doing. You are to take pleasure in how you exercise authority over God's creation. And as you exercise authority and as you bring things into submission, as you accomplish goals and see the fruits of your work, you are to offer thanksgiving to God. These are some important aspects to remember, to bear in mind, as you carry out the command to rule and subdue creation. Now, in these few applications, 
we've talked about some of the general ways that mankind carries out or practices the dominion, the ordinance of dominion. But as you consider creation and as you start to think about all the different relationships that were developed or that would develop, I'm sorry, as people began to be fruitful and multiply, you see that the general command to rule creation, the general command to rule and subdue, it applies to non-human things. Things. That's such a funny word. One of my fourth grade teachers hated it when you use that word. Don't be a stuff and things writer. Use something more specific than things. I, I just couldn't come up with anything more specific on the spot. So I'm using things. I think things fits. We, rule, we are ruling mankind. We are ruling the things that God created. But what about other human beings? What about the relationships that human beings have with one another? This is where we count on the doctrine of progressive revelation. The doctrine of progressive revelation states that as God revealed more truth to people through his word, more commands were given, more doctrines or more truths were explained. And so as you move from Genesis through the Old Testament and on into the New Testament, God's plan, God's truths become more detailed, more nuanced, more complete, to the point that by the time the book of Revelation was finished, all that God wanted to say was said, and we have the responsibility now to go back and look at what God said, and then to take from it the truths and the principles and apply them to life. And this doctrine of progressive revelation is important because it helps us to understand like, how God expects us to exercise our authority over creation. And in Genesis chapter 1, we don't find any command or any explanation spelled out by God for how human beings were to possibly rule other human beings. And yet, we recognize from personal experience that human beings do rule other human beings. Human beings do exercise authority over other human beings. This is what's caused me in my own personal studies, and I think in the studies of other men who have been faithful to the Word of God, to talk about what, or to define what we would call spheres of authority. There are various spheres of authority that God has established, and that help human beings relate both to the animal kingdom, to one another, and to God. Now, I wish I could do this on a board. I wish that I was a great artist and I could, you know, come up with some great video presentation for you, but you'll just have to use your imagination. And I'll try to explain it as best as I can. When we talk about spheres of authority, you have to imagine that the biggest sphere is God himself. God is the, God exists outside of creation. And the biggest sphere is all of creation. 
So God is outside of that particular sphere, and he is ruling. He stands at the head of that sphere. So he rules all creation from his throne in heaven. But God has broken up that big sphere that, you know, we could consider to be the whole universe, all of creation. He has broken up that big sphere into smaller spheres, more manageable spheres, so that mankind can exercise authority in small, manageable relationships. And I say relationships because these are interpersonal relationship spheres of authority. We're not talking any longer about the sphere of authority whereby man rules over all creation. We're going to break that down into even smaller spheres. Okay? So I'm, I hope I'm explaining this well. If you're following along, we have the largest sphere of authority. That is God himself ruling over all creation. The next largest sphere of authority is the general command of God to mankind to subdue the earth and to rule over it, okay? To rule the earth and to subdue all the, I said that backwards, to rule the earth and to subdue all the creatures in the creation. So that's the next most general sphere of authority. That sphere is what we find in Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, but that sphere doesn't delineate or explain how man relates to man. It doesn't offer any advice or guidance as to how man relates to man. Now, granted, in a perfect environment, think about this, in a perfect environment, in a sinless environment, there may not be a need for one or two of the spheres of authority that I'm about to talk about. But there would be a need for other of the spheres of authority. Okay? So let's continue to break this down. Let's start with the most personal. Okay? The most personal that we can derive from Genesis chapter 2 is the sphere of authority that exists within the family. And this would start with the husband and wife and then extend to children. So this is the most personal sphere of authority that everybody lives in. I am a husband to my wife. I am a father to my children. And so I have a responsibility to exercise authority over my wife and over my children. Now, this does not mean that I am domineering. It does not mean that I make decisions that benefit me and me alone. It means that I have been given a responsibility to lead them in a way that honors God and brings glory to Christ. And that responsibility is a grave and serious responsibility. This is the first sphere of relational authority that God established. And it's found in Genesis chapter 2, right? When God um, saw that Adam needed a helper, and he made Eve to be a helper for Adam. And the two of them came together, and they became married. Okay, God established marriage. And then Adam was the head, Adam was the authority, and Eve submitted to Adam. And we find that this reality, this authority structure is confirmed in the curse when God 
in Genesis chapter 3 says to the woman, your desire will be for your husband, meaning you will want to rule him, but he will rule over you. There's the, the perversion of the authority established in the garden. The perversion of the authority is that the woman wants to have the authority. She wants to be in charge. She wants the responsibility to lead. But God says, your husband will rule over you. And this is not a benevolent type of a rule. This is, I'm stronger, I'm more powerful, I'm bigger, you are going to do what I say. And this is the reason why for thousands of years, women have been considered second-class citizens. And it has been the goal of, and continues to be the goal of, unbelieving husbands to keep their wives in submission to them through whatever means necessary. They manipulate. Sometimes they emotionally manipulate or spiritually manipulate. Sometimes they verbally abuse. Sometimes they physically abuse. They will do whatever they can to make sure that their wife stays in line. And even though her desire is to rule over him, they're physically stronger. They rule over her. So this is the first sphere of authority, husband to wife, and it is confirmed by the curse. And again, as I mentioned in the last episode, just because we have perverted something that God designed doesn't mean that God's original design is bad. When husbands practice the appropriate biblical and God-given authority, it is a great protection for wives. It is a great protection for children, and it creates an environment of peace and joy within the home. All right, so that's the first sphere of authority, the smallest one, husband to wife. And then it expands a little bit, and it goes to husbands, uh, or I'm sorry, fathers and mothers to their children. So this is the next largest sphere of authority because it involves more than two people. It involves the father, the mother, and the child or children, assuming that there's more than one child. This sphere of authority is that husbands also have the top say when it comes to the family life, but as fathers, they have a responsibility to exercise authority over their children. But here, mothers are given a responsibility to also exercise authority over their children. So the authority structure is father and mother over child. That takes us to another larger sphere. The next largest sphere would be the sphere of governmental authority, okay? The sphere of governmental authority. And human governments were established by God so that a group of people in a certain region could be ruled effectively and efficiently and ultimately for the glory of God. So, you know, government owes its creation to God. Government has a responsibility to God. Some people think that government is God, but government is not God. Government is a sphere of authority that was designated by God to people groups. These would be ethnic groups. And I'm going to talk about this particular sphere in much more detail in another episode, but I just want you to understand that this is one of the spheres 
that God has established. Finally, we come to the last sphere of authority that God established, and the last sphere of authority is that of ecclesiastical authority. So this would be authority within the local church, authority within the local church. The local church is God's plan and purpose for the present age. The local church um, has not replaced Israel and God's plan. So the local church is not an extension of the nation of Israel. But really what the local church is, is a group of individuals who profess faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, they have been baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit. And they participate together in a local gathering. And they are organized according to the commands found in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we find that there are two offices within the church. There are elders, and there are deacons and deaconesses. And in the New Testament, elders are giving the responsibility to lead and shepherd and oversee the saints. So the elders have the overarching authority in the local church, but the elders are accountable to Jesus Christ, who is the chief shepherd Peter tells us that in 1 Peter chapter 5. So I, as an elder, have to submit to Jesus Christ, but then in certain matters, the sheep who are under me have a responsibility to submit to me, to my leadership, um, not just me personally, but me and my fellow elders. We have a responsibility to lead and to exercise authority in the local church and to make decisions. And this is how God established the ecclesiastical authority to reflect uh, and bring glory and honor to him. Now, here's some interesting things about these spheres of authority. You can be a leader in one sphere, but a submitter in another sphere. So what is submission? Submission is a willful or voluntary yielding of yourself to another person. So let's just define that very carefully. It's a willful or voluntarily yielding of your will, your desires, your thoughts to that of another person. And in these various spheres of authority, you can be a leader in one sphere. You have the responsibility to lead. You have the task of leading, but you could also be a submitter in another sphere. So for example, I am the leader in my household, but I am not the leader in any other man's household. I have no right to go to any friend of mine and command his wife to do something. I can't break that sphere of authority. I have my sphere, he has his sphere, and that sphere is created by marriage. And so my leadership even though I'm a leader in my sphere, doesn't overflow into his sphere. Now, consider, for instance, that me and this other man and his wife, let's say that we all attend church together. We're all members of the same local church. Well, I happen to be the pastor. He's not a pastor. Now, in the sphere of ecclesiastical authority, I can provide leadership for this man and his wife. I can't tell him how to manage his household personally, but I can exercise authority and leadership 
over he and his wife and their family as they are members of this local church. Okay. Now here's something interesting. This man and I, let's just say this man and I, we have a responsibility to submit to the governing authorities of Sandusky County, Ohio. That's where we live. And broader than Sandusky County, the state of Ohio. And broader than the state of Ohio, the laws of the United States of America. And so we are under this governmental sphere of authority, even though I am the head of him and his wife in ecclesiastical matters, but I am not the head of him or his wife in domestic matters. You see, we all have a responsibility to submit in the right relationships and to lead in the right relationships and in the right spheres. And you can be in multiple spheres at the same time. Now, interestingly, as a citizen of the United States of America, I have no obligation to submit to the laws of Canada or Mexico or China or anybody else because those governments don't rule me. So I hope that you can see as you consider these spheres of authority that you are at one time submitting to somebody else, voluntarily yielding to an authority that God placed over you. And at the same time, you are leading somebody else because God has given you a task and a responsibility to lead. It's very important to understand these spheres of authority. Why? Why is it important? Because it helps you to navigate the various relationships that you have in life. If you don't understand these spheres of authority, you'll be kicking against the goads. You'll be going the wrong way. You'll be struggling and fighting against things that you don't need to struggle and fight against. Understand the spheres of authority that God has established. Act accordingly to the sphere that you are in and act accordingly to the sphere that you must submit to. This is a way to live at peace with all men. It will produce harmony in your life and in the lives of others. And it will be a good example. And it will imitate Christ if you're a believer. Christ, he was the authority over all creation, right? Because he's God. And yet he humbled himself. He took off that role, that authority, and he humbled himself to become a man. And he lived under religious authorities, the Pharisees. He lived under parental authorities, Joseph and Mary. He did not have a domestic authority in that he was never married. But if he did, he would have exercised his domestic authority appropriately. Christ understood how to live under various authorities. And what did that do? That caused him to have favor in the eyes of both God and man. And if you can learn how to live under the appropriate spheres of authority that God has established, it will cause you also to have favor in the eyes of God and man. Well, I hope that this lesson has been enlightening to you. It's been challenging to me as I thought about it, and I thought about how just difficult it is to recognize that at one time you are an authority, and at the same time you're under somebody else's authority. But it's a benefit and a blessing 
to both be in a leadership role and also to be in a submission role. It's a benefit and a blessing. I hope that you find that to be true in your life. Hey, if you have a comment or a question or a response to this, feel free, email me, leave me a comment. I'd be happy to answer your question in the next episode. God bless you.